In 2015, I almost lost my marriage, my family, and my career. I was on a path that was leading me towards ruin. Thankfully, once I became aware of what I was doing, I quickly made the changes necessary to start leading me on a better path. But that decision didn't come without consequences. I still had to repair my marriage, rebuild a foundation for my family, and figure out what I was going to do with my life. It took a tremendous toll on me personally and professionally. I felt incredibly insecure and unclear about where I was going to go from here. It was a long road to rebuilding, but it didn't have to be. What I learned was that there were really just five critical steps to getting my confidence back. And now I want to share them with you. I learned that there were simple decisions and thoughts that needed to be made every day in order to help grow my confidence again. Confidence in myself, as a husband, as a father, and in my career. I've put together for you these five simple steps in a short 12-minute video and a printable PDF companion guide that's going to help you walk through the steps to building your confidence. To access the video and guide, simply visit CourageousCommunity.com. Give your name and your email, and I'll send them out to you. It's that simple. Visit CourageousCommunity.com and get your confidence back. This is CourageCast. Faith, inspiration, and motivation for today. Hey everyone in the Courageous Community, I'm Eric Nordoff and you're listening to the Courage Cast. Today, I have a very, very special guest. We always have a special guest, right? But today's guest is none other than Coach Scott Oatsfall with Life Transformation 360. Now, we all need a good coach in life and Coach Scott is my health coach. Coach Scott and his team at Life Transformation 360 They help me with my health and wellness, and I'm a lifetime member there, and I've been wanting to have Scott on for a while because I just think he's such an inspirational, motivating, and encouraging figure. I really, really connect with him. I feel like we are very, very similar, and uh, yet he has a little more life experience from me. He's actually living out what he believes, and he's completely changed, radically changed his life. He has taken a 360 in his life, and I can't wait to hear, uh, let you hear my conversation with Scott. Um, People who have listened to this ahead of time have told me, wow, this is packed with information. So, and it really is, it really is packed. So get ready for that. That's coming in just a little bit. Stick around after the interview where I'll be giving you my big takeaways, maybe some action steps and some further encouraging thoughts on how you can apply the truths from our conversation to your life, to your business, etc. So stick around for that at the end. Also, I'm going to announce next week's special guest, very, very special guest who... um I've already recorded several interviews way in advance of this series, this new series of episodes of the Courage Cast. So I already know who's coming up. How about that? 
for being uh, ahead of schedule. All right. Well, now we are moving on to my introduction of Coach Scott Oatsvall, and I'm excited to share with you this interview because Coach not only talks about the origin story, and it's a powerful story about how LT360 got started. You know, Coach Scott is called a coach because he was a coach at a very prominent school in several schools, I believe. He's also been a longtime educator and uh, he has an exercise science background. So when he came to that pivotal moment in March of 2011, which he'll share, this rocked his world, changed his life forever in the direction, the trajectory of his path. And he has found deeper meaning, deeper calling in what he's doing. He also shares a lot of marriage advice, which I need, even though I've been married 20 years, he's been married a little bit longer than that. And he shares his story about some of the difficult times that he and his wife went through. Also raising kids, he dives into the secrets for him in raising amazing kids. Many people don't know that, but he has adopted, he and his wife have adopted some beautiful children and they have a a strong calling towards adoption, but it wasn't always that way. It wasn't always something that was in his plan to do. So he'll share about that as well. Well, enough of me talking. We're going to dive into my interview. I visited Coach Scott in his office so that the audio is going to sound a little bit different. I visited him in his office, uh, recorded the podcast there, and I think you'll enjoy it very much. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Coach Scott Oatsfall of Life Transformation 360. Well, Coach Scott, one of the things that I've noticed about you just from social media and kind of seeing uh, that I find amazing is that you and your wife, is the partnership that you and your wife have. Well, first of all, thank you, Eric, for having me on today. It's a, it's a privilege and a pleasure to be yeah. part of the, the, the podcast and the Courage community. And mm-hmm. and uh, just the things that you're doing, I want to just echo that back to you and just tell you congratulations Thanks. On, on making a difference. Thanks. Because you're, you know, this is not just, you know, this is reaching people in many ways that, uh, like our company, you never know what, what how, how God's going to use this fruit later on because these are seeds that you're planting mm-hmm. in people. So thank you for having me today. Absolutely. The the second thing, uh, as it relates to me and Gwen, Gwen and I will be married almost, th- we're coming up on 30 years, uh, we're 27 now, so we're almost <laughs> in the third, we're, we're, we're trying to get, get married 30. at minus three. That's right, that's right, minus three. Um, we met, actually met in junior high school, mm-hmm. so we started dating in junior high school. Wow. And uh, I always tell people she couldn't keep her hands off of me, so that's why we had to get married. <laughs> at least that's the way I remember it. Uh, she would probably tell you a different story. But we got married right out of high school uh, and, uh, uh, you know, went to school together and then, you know, started our family. And uh, when we were almost 30 years old, we didn't mm-hmm. have children until we were almost 30. Really? And so. Uh, so you had 10 years of, yeah, of just. Almost 10 years of marriage. Marriage, uh, yeah. You know, so it was really, really, uh, you know, a time of growth and learning and figuring out and getting our training wheels off, what it meant to have a real partnership and mm-hmm. and, and an authentic relationship. Uh, I came from a broken home, mm-hmm. so I never knew what that felt like to have a dad in my home. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife come from a, a, a family with uh, an intact family uh, with a, a mother and father that worked all the time, mm-hmm. so she was really a latchkey kid herself. And so we had some, some things in our history and in our background that we had to work through and 
And God's been, you know, really in the midst of all of that and showed us tremendous amounts of grace and mercy Mm. on how he's showed us what true, authentic marriage looks like. Because a lot of it, we just had to, we had to just go through the process and and we had to make a lot of mistakes early to figure out what was right. Tell me about that. Before you move into anything else, that is something that that I'm resonating with. My wife and I are married almost 20 years. Right. And... We had kids in the first year, year and a half of, of being married. And so we didn't have the time to really, we, we had to work out our marital issues while we had kids. And um, we're still now just kind of coming out of a, a pretty difficult season um, yeah. for us. Uh, and, and I'm grateful for that, but it took a lot longer. Would you, what were some of the things? What some some advice that you would have for me or anybody else that's maybe um, dealing with marital problems or anything well, like that? Well, the first thing I would say is if you're ever going to have a true, authentic relationship, you've got to you've got to know who you are. Mm. You see, most people don't know who they are, and so before you can really add to someone, else, you're not a half a person. You know, mm. see, a lot of people think they're half and then their spouse is half and then that, that makes up a whole. Mm-hmm. You're not a half of a person. You're a whole person. Mm-hmm. And so before before you can add value to someone else in a true, authentic way, you really have to know who you are. Uh, and again, I always tell this. And again, I know you you have your your listening audiences. Uh, a lot of them portion is made up of believers. And I want to speak to you from a biblical perspective, because that's the only perspective I have in marriage. And, and I think it's the one that will, will give you the most amount of authenticity and, and, and safety and security. And that is uh, the enemy doesn't care about your marriage. He doesn't care about your spouse. He doesn't care about your kids. You know, I hear all the time that people say, the enemy's after my marriage. The enemy's after my, my spouse. The enemy's after my kids or my job. The enemy ain't after your spouse. The enemy don't, what's the enemy going to do with your spouse? What the enemy wants to do to destroy God's smallest battle formation. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that's what marriage is. It's God's smallest battle formation. Like and that. so what God, what, what the enemy tries to do is to try to create confusion and tries to leave you so emotionally scarred and wrecked and fragmented that you don't know who you are. And so when you don't know who you are, see, I can deal. I've learned, Eric, now in my life, I'm going on almost 30 years now of coaching people. I've learned that I can survive and even thrive at times without the approval of men, Hmm. without the approval. But I find it very difficult to be all that I was created to be when I don't know who I am. See, if the enemy can confuse you enough and leave you so emotionally wrecked and scarred and damaged because of past failures and because of hurts and because of betrayals and because of things that didn't work out in your past, then he can begin to destroy who you are inside. And then you begin to lose your self-confidence and it begins to erode your self-esteem. And it really begins to weaken your faith in who you are. Mm -hmm. That will destroy a relationship quicker than anything. Yeah. And then what we do is we begin to put up these emotional walls mm. and then we become this person and we morph into this little uh, person that we really don't want to become. Mm-hmm. And many times what happens is we hurt the ones we love the most. Yeah. And so it's very difficult to have authentic relationship, especially with a spouse when so, you're not real. Right. So what were some of the things that you did or that you did to work on yourself? 
and and to guard your guard your heart and guard yourself so the enemy couldn't steal, kill, destroy. That's it. right. And one of the things that I've realized is that the world has a plan and God has a plan. Mm-hmm. The world's plan is the fifty-fifty plan. Mm-hmm. You do your half, I do my half, and then everything will be fine. Right. But that's not reality. Because sometimes my wife is, is 90% and I'm 10%. And sometimes I'm 60 and she's 40. Mm-hmm. Notice you didn't give yourself the full 90. Hey, you, hey, listen, I've been married a long time. And I don't know who this broadcast is going out to, but if it ever gets back to her, I want to make sure I'm on the right side because i got to go home and, and to her at, at night. And so... So, I, but you know, and and part of this is also too. It's the give and take, and it's also, you see, when you're real with people, you you don't you don't tiptoe around things that bother you. Mm-hmm. See, one of the ways that you can have one of the litmus tests of if you have a true authentic relationship is that, can you speak truth mm-hmm. without worrying about whether you're going to crumble your your house or worry about you're going to create this you know uh, rock the boat scenario all the time. See, a lot of people. They live in this, I want to keep the peace the whole time, and I think that's how that's what's going to be equally good relationship or a successful marriage. And that's just simply not true. Mm. If you're always worried about keeping the peace in your relationship, if you're always worried about exactly what you say because you don't want to rock the boat, you've got some real issues going on with your relationship because that's not an authentic relationship. That's not a true relationship. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the thing that you're wanting the most, you're probably creating a perfect storm to build and explode in resentment at some point because things are going to collapse at some point if mm-hmm. you don't have authenticity. Yeah. And so I had to learn that. And, and again, I'm speaking from experience because we had some of those collapses early mm-hmm. and we didn't know how to communicate well. And it was about 50-50. Look, I have an expectation of you. You have an expectation of me. You know, and, and it became, and many times what I've learned, particularly with coaching people, is that it becomes a business agreement. Mm. Hey, when am I going to pick the kids up? Where am I supposed to be? Okay, where are you going to be at this time? Where am I going to be? At the, and, and, you, and you lose that fire and you lose that, again, the true authenticity of a marriage is one that realizes that, you know what, we're here to complete each other. Mm. Not to compete, but to complete. Mm-hmm. And so we just had to learn that over a period of time. And again, God's grace has allowed us to, I always say it this way, God's grace gave us space, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and even through the, even through the, the, the hurt and even through the mistakes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if if I were to look back on my life and my marriage and, and and by the way, it's as good as it's ever been right Mm now, but it hasn't been easy. Yeah. It's been very difficult at times. Well, with every new change, with every new child and addition and stress and, well, with every stress. new season of life, yeah. you're going to change. Yeah, And so we've had to work at it. It's not something that comes easy or natural because, again, I never saw a really good, solid, true, structured marriage right. modeled out in front of me growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and she didn't really either. Although mm-hmm. she had two loving parents, they were always gone working. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it's it, we had to grow together. Uh, what's your source for learning how to be a great dad? Well, or influence or mentoring, you know, what, what, what influences you the most? I think for me, you know, growing up without a father, experiencing the pain and the loss and the hurt and the suffering that I went through and endured as a child and wishing that I had a father, uh, I think is probably the driving factor for me to be present and be there for my kids. Mm -hmm. And there's a few principles that I've learned along the way. One of the things I always ask our clients is what information do you not have that you need? in order for you to reach your goals. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the parts of that for me was that I didn't really didn't know exactly 
a structured process or a paint-by-number system. And really, to be honest with you, there's not one. Right. Uh, really, the only blueprint we have is God's Word. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what I did for myself was I began to read every book I could. You know, mm-hmm. I, bre- I read Great Dads. I read Raising a Modern Day Night. Mm-hmm. I read, you know, How to Be the Best Version of You with Your Kids, Seven Things Kids Never Forget. All these things, I started just reading and researching on what other successful dads had done before me. Mm-hmm. The number one thing that but the takeaway was that they're 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 there. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're present. Yeah. And and I'll say that there's a few principles that I've really adopted in my own life. Number one, uh, a good father, a good dad uh, is a provider. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm, just, I'm not just talking about material provisions. I'm talking about a stable home, a healthy lifestyle, uh, so, uh, you know, provisions of time, not just your, you know, just, you know, you talk, people always talk about what well, you should be there uh, for quantity time, but I'm talking about quality time, mm-hmm. you know, showing up and when, when they, when they have events and being present in their life. And then when you're with them, you're there. Mm-hmm. You're not wondering, you're not on your phone, you're not doing something, you're there with your kids. And I've got six kids, as you know. And so mm-hmm. my wife and I, we're, we're split a lot of times. And so we've really, really got to be intentional about being a provider of that time for each kid when we have the opportunity to be with them. The second thing that I learned is that you've got to be a protector. A good father is a protector. Mm-hmm. A good father is a shield, acts as a shield. And sometimes, many times, it's like when my grandfather was alive, you know, he was the one that probably had the most influence on me. And my grandparents raised me as a child. Uh, and, and one of the things that he taught me was I didn't realize his value until he was gone. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize the things he was dealing with. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm in my own, you know, uh, fatherhood, if you will, yeah. I realize that sometimes being a provider and being a protector means you're a silent shield. Mm. You have to shield your kids and your family from certain things as a man. Like what? Well, first of all, you, you know, you got you don't they don't need to carry the burden of responsibilities of, of trying to pay the light bill. Mm-hmm. They don't need to know that you and your wife are not having an agreement. So you're arguing, you're screaming, you're talking to your wife like a dog. Mm-hmm. I mean, you need to protect your kids from certain things until they're emotionally and physically and mature enough to handle certain conversations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so a good father will stand in front and take all of that, you know, that, that, the, the force of that wind mm-hmm. and block your family and block your kids from that until it's time for them to stand on their own. Mm. Uh, and so, again, these are the type of things that I just had to learn. You can't really it, it's not something you can learn in a book. Mm-hmm. You have to go through life and experience it. Right, right. And make it make it your own. That's good stuff. Yeah. You know, you you have. Uh, well, I know your oldest son, I believe, is uh, is he a senior or is he in college? Just now? graduated. He just graduated this going year. Going off college. to college. Going off to college. Uh, be and where is he? Is he playing football? He's going to play football at Austin Peay State University. Awesome. Yes. Quarterback. He is a quarterback. Yeah, that's so, awesome. Congratulations. So, thank you. Thank they had you. an amazing run. There. It's been a great run. When mm-hmm. when when we started, one of the things that I always tell my kids at the beginning of every year. I make them write their goals out for the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, only 4% of people, according to research, write their goals out. Yeah. And so I, I tell them to write their goals out because, again, you, you, can't, you can't measure. If you can't measure it, then it's going to be very hard for you to add a value to the time that you're committing to something. Do you ever challenge their goals? Like they write their goals and it's like you, you kind of can do that already. Like do you ever say? Well, uh, it's interesting how that, that, that's worked out. And I'll give you an example. Uh, I, I make, you know, I, when I say make, I encourage them 
uh, each when they're freshmen. I had Jeremiah do this, and I had Elijah do this. He'll be a freshman this year. Mm-hmm. Write a future letter to himself mm-hmm. as a senior in high school, what he would like to remember and some of the things that he wants to accomplish during his high school career, yeah. academically, physically, and spiritually. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was such a great blessing to be able to open that letter up this year when Jeremiah graduated and have him read that letter back to himself. Wow. Uh, and I would encourage all dads to do that. That's a great uh, thing. Just have them write a letter for your daughters and your sons to their future self mm-hmm. on some things that they want to remember right now, some things that they want to, to that they aspire to become, or there are some goals that they may set out in the future. And one of the things that he said was, and I even shared this, uh, you know, again, this is, uh, again, this is where it flips on me a little bit, is my goal for him was I wanted him to win a state championship in football and one in basketball. Mm-hmm. So when I asked him uh, as, as a freshman, I said, how many state champions, what's your goals athletically? Mm-hmm. Because I had some goals for him athletically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in my mind, I wanted him to win two state championships. <laughs> well, when he opened up his letter, mm-hmm. And he read his letter out loud to the family who was sitting around the, the, the table. He said, I want to win five state championships. <laughs> so I had actually undershot, you undershot. His, his goals. And how many did he get? He got six. He got six? So he won six state championships. Wow. And so, again, and, and I'm, I'm not measuring that as success sure. or loss. Sure. I'm just saying sometimes we got to let our kids expand their own view of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you say, do I ever challenge their goals? Many times what I'll do is try to get them to challenge themselves, their selves. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the things that is, and you've, you've learned this as I've taught, you know, some of my seminars and yeah. my teaching and my writing and some of the videos that I put out is that most people have a very limited view of themselves. Mm-hmm. And the thing that blocks them most is that they don't have the ability to stand up inside themselves and monitor their inner conversation. And when you can't monitor your inner conversation, you begin to become a negative storyteller for yourself Mm. because we are the narrator. We're the narrator of our own story. And the great part about being your own narrator is that you don't have to accept the version of that story. (laughs) You can change it Mm -hmm. at any time, but you have to have the courage to change it. And if you don't have the courage to change it, and part of that is like what we talked about earlier in the segment is they don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. And if the enemy can confuse them enough, guess what? They'll make a settlement with themselves and become far less than what they could become. Yeah. So uh, for me, it's about, you know, looking at the long-term picture because as dads, as fathers, we have a much probably a greater vantage point to see further down the road than our kids do. Yeah. But we've got to get them to start to think large enough to make sure that they're not selling for something less than God's best. Yeah. I love it. I love it, man. I could talk about raising kids. Oh, we got a whole, we got this, this is more than one podcast yeah, right here. Absolutely. Um, so you and Gwen at some point, uh, after having two or three of your own, we had two biological children, two yeah, boys, two boys, four years apart. Now, tell me where the desire to adopt came. And well, this is an amazing story. Yeah. Um, and again, uh, this this shocks people because we have four adopted children: two two little girls from China and a little boy and a girl from Africa. And uh, and we have foundation. Obviously, 147 million orphans is our <laughs> foundation that we started about eight years ago with another family here locally. Um, I will share this with you, and this will come as a shock to most people that know me, that, that I've never felt called to adopt. Hmm. 
and to this day. I've, that's I'm, pretty authentic of you. Yeah, I just I never have. Uh-huh. Uh but my wife has. Yeah. And I know that God would not have placed such a strong desire in her heart to adopt. Uh, and so let me share, let me let me backtrack the story because I wanted to start with the end in mind first. I wanted to start with that statement because if I just shared the other part, you would think that that I just had it in my heart to do it the whole time. Right. But I've been a school teacher for I was a school to high school coach and a college coach for 22 years. Mm-hmm. And in one of my high school classes, there was a little girl named Emily Chapman. Mm-hmm. And Emily Chapman is the daughter of Stephen Curtis Chapman mm-hmm. and Mary Beth Chapman. And in my class that I taught in high school, uh, she came up. We had two biological sons. Uh, we had I thought we had the perfect life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a great coaching, teaching job, two young boys growing them. I mean, they're, I mean, just everything was just going right. And I just thought this is where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And she comes up to me one day and she says, Coach, she said, I think you need to go to China and adopt a little girl. You need a little girl in your family. And I thought, this is quite an odd, just any a statement from a high school girl to a coach. Yeah. And I thought, well, you know what? She said, well, I tell you what, will you pray about it? And I said, sure, I'll pray about it. <laughs> and I hadn't thought, I mean... That was the furthest thing. I mean, I had never even considered adoption, never thought about adoption, didn't know anything about adoption. And she comes back to me the next week and says, hey, coach, have you prayed? did you pray about adopting a little girl from China? And I thought, this is crazy. What is this high school girl? What, I mean, this doesn't make any sense. You don't, I, don't, I, said, I said, Emily, I, I'm, I'm praying about it, you know, just to get her out, out, of, my, out of my face. And she come back to me every day. Wow. From that point forward, and asked me how I prayed about it, and finally I said, "Emily, no, I haven't prayed about it. I know I'm not <laughs> going to. Ad- we're not adopting the little girl from China. That's crazy." Yeah. And she, I, she, so she finally said, and "This is what she told me. She said, Coach, I think you're scared.' Hmm. Well, that that was probably the the worst thing that she could have told me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you don't again, challenge a coach I mean, and when a you're man. challenging me, and here I am, championship <laughs> coach, and got state championships, and and put programs together, and turn programs around, been a college coach. I mean, you're not going to challenge me like that. Not no high, little high school girl is going to come and challenge me, Eric. <laughs> and I said, I tell you what, Emily, if you tell you go, you go tell your parents. Now, one thing I did know about international adoption was it was very expensive. Yep. So here's what I said. I said, you go tell your parents to sponsor me, and I'll go get me a little girl from China. <laughs> I thought, well, that'll be the last of that. Uh-huh. The very next day, I see this young girl coming into my classroom with this smile and this glow on her that I can't really explain. Now I know what it is. Mm-hmm. And she said, Coach, my mom said, get the paperwork ready. You're going to China. <laughs> And at that point, have you talked to Gwen at that point up well, till then? Here's all? here's the whole caveat. At that point, I realized I had made a decision for my family that would forever change the course of my family's life, and I haven't even spoken to Gwen about this yet. Wow. And so we're in Sunday school, and I'm teaching a Sunday school class. And I thought, I don't know how I'm going to back out of this because I've given my word now. Yeah. I've told this little girl that I'm serious about doing this, and now her parents are on board, and now I've made this decision. And by the way, uh, this is not the right way to do this, I don't think. <laughs> but God has a way of being sovereign in all things. And so I thought the safest way for me to make this announcement was probably to do this in a public forum. 
Of course, because you couldn't be attacked yeah. then. <laughs> I mean, at least I'm going to have a chance to survive for a little while longer anyway. You're, right? you're not going to have a public you know, murder. So in front of my Sunday school class, my wife is sitting on the front row. I'm, I'm about to teach the lesson. We ask for prayer request, and then I make this statement. I've got a statement to make to the class, and my wife's eyes become biggest saucers like, oh, my gosh, what are you going to say now? Mm -hmm. And I said, I think my wife and I are going to China to adopt a little girl. And the room fell silent. Mm -hmm. And I see this look on my wife's eyes and in her eyes. And I realized at that moment I probably made a decision that might cost me my marriage. Because, again, this, that's probably not the, the wisest thing to do is to make a decision like this without at least running it by your spouse. <laughs> and I see Why didn't you ladies, tell her? Why didn't you talk to her beforehand? Well, I just was trying to find a way out of it. I was trying to find a way out. I was trying to back my way out of this. In fact, I had a list of things of all the reasons why I shouldn't adopt. Mm-hmm. And I wrote them down. And every reason was about me mm-hmm. and about my selfishness. Mm-hmm. Every single reason was about me. It was, didn't have anything to do with why we should or why God has placed it in my heart or why he didn't. Mm-hmm. It had everything to do with my own insecurity and my own selfishness. Yeah. And as I looked at my wife that day when I made that announcement and tears began to flow out of her eyes, ladies behind her were crying with her. And I said, oh, my, I've just I've ruined my marriage right now. Mm -hmm. I I can't believe I've been this stupid to say this and make this announcement without discussing it with her. We talk about those past mistakes and failures and learning and growing and have figured out what marriage is all about. Mm -hmm. My wife stood to her feet that day. And this is exactly what she said in front of about 85 people. She said, I had been praying that we would adopt a little girl for seven years. Wow. And she never talked to and you about it. she never talked to me. That's amazing. Seven years. Wow. And so I know I knew one thing was for sure, and even though God didn't really place a burden on my heart to uh, ad- adopt, and I still don't feel like he has done that, hmm. I realize now that God put me in a position, and he exposed me at the right time to the right. Isn't it funny how God will put you at the right time at the right place? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so that little girl, Emily Chapman, who we named our little daughter after from China, Emily, Mm -hmm. uh, and then the Chapman family and us have been great friends ever since then, and we've we've established a tremendous relationship through our foundations and obviously through a personal relationship. Uh, But again, I'm reminded that of the story in the Bible when when Moses, Moses' mother, had him, and, and the Bible says that 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 she hid him for three months, mm-hmm. and when she could no longer hide him, she put him in the basket. Mm. She then sent him down the Nile in a basket through the alligators and snakes and crocodiles, and just so happened at the right place at the right time, Pharaoh's daughter was bathing in the Nile. Yeah, and here you have an Egyptian princess touching a Hebrew child, a slave, uh, one that had a death threat on him. And in the same way, 
my little girl had a death threat on her because, as you know, in China with the one-child limit, they want a boy. They don't want girls, and so they dis- discard girls. And mm-hmm. and so the the need and the great – just the timing of everything. But at some point, God had to expose Moses to something different mm-hmm. because he knew that Moses couldn't have a slave mentality and then stand in front of Pharaoh one day with the courage to stand up and say, let my people go. Absolutely. So he had to expose him to something new, mm-hmm. something different. Mm-hmm. He had to think differently. And in the same way, God had to expose me to Emily Chapman mm-hmm. because I never even considered adoption for one minute mm-hmm. until I heard that little girl challenge me and say, I think you're scared. Yeah. And that one statement has changed the course of our whole family's life and destiny. Powerful ministry that the Chapmans have. And uh, you and your wife started a ministry as well that I don't think everybody knows about. Yeah. But if you could just kind of share a little bit so, briefly about how that thank got you. started. Thank you for, for asking me about that. Um, our ministry is called 147 Million Orphans. Mm-hmm. And we base that off. There's an estimated 140 to 205 million orphans in the world. And so my wife just came up with the number 147 I can never remember it. It, it didn't matter. It, it's, it's millions. Mm-hmm. And the, the number is so large. So the number really didn't matter. It was what we, or what are we going to do about it? Yeah. And and the fact of the matter is that you know we know that there are people hurting and dying and children that are that are out there that are being uh, you know uh, that desperately need a forever home. And my wife and I, after we adopted our fourth child, uh, she she went her and her best friend wanted to do something about it. And so, you know, she went and decided that she was going to make a difference. Mm -hmm. Much like you, when you started this podcast, you wanted to do something about it to make a difference and have an impact. And and you wanted to structure your life in such a way that gave you some purpose and power and meaning. Mm -hmm. And in the same way, she was a stay-at-home mom that wanted to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And although we knew we couldn't adopt 147 million orphans, in fact, if she could, she would, believe me, her heart's big as Texas. We knew we had to do something about it because mm-hmm. God had placed such a burden. And I got to experience the miracle of adoption from another angle that I had never even thought about. And it changed. Again, I always say it this way. When you begin to change the way you look at things, the things you look at begin to change. Mm-hmm. So I begin to look at people different. I begin to look at our relationships different. And, and the value and the commodity that God has given us through the just through people. And so one of the things that she did was she wanted to help because at that time I was a school teacher. Mm-hmm. And it was very difficult for us to raise the money and to come up with to, to afford these international adoptions. And God provided every penny along the way. But it was through people. Mm-hmm. He had people placed in the right place at the right time. And checks would show up in our door and our mailbox. And people would say, hey, how can we help you? How can we bless you? How can we pray for you? And so it just we did everything we could. And then we decided, you know what? We need to give back and pay it forward. Mm-hmm. And so that's how 147, 147 million orphans came into existence is that we wanted to help fund adoptions for parents like, like us that wanted to have children and wanted to make a difference through the miracle of adoption. And then we wanted to show people that by saying yes to God, it changes your life mm-hmm. and whatever. And again, for us, it was adoption for mm-hmm. other, for other people, it's other things. Yeah. But the same miracle of adoption can be said in any area of your life as long as you say yes to God. Absolutely. So she, so it's eight, eight or nine years into it now and it's, 
I think we probably we feed about three thousand kids. I think uh, a day mm-hmm. uh, with our feeding ministry, and we've got we've got a ministry in Honduras and Haiti and Uganda, and there's some other things that we some other missions that we've got going on now, and God's just grown that to a, mm. a tremendous tremendous ministry. Well, I'd but love, all the credit goes to uh, my wife and Suzanne Marinick. Yeah, I would. No, I was just going to say I'd love to get Gwen and and Suzanne. Oh, you'd love on. to have them on. Yeah, they're, they're they are superstars. And dive into the details. Oh, of yeah, and what, they can tell you all of that. And I don't want to steal their thunder because I wouldn't do it justice. No, but it's a great it's a great part of your story that uh, that I want to touch on. So, so you're this high school coach, very successful as a coach. Uh, how did you how did you kind of lose your way with your health? Uh, I'm just curious. That's about a that. great question, uh, and part of it is like so many other people, I immersed myself in in my family and in my career and my job and all the things, our church and our, our ministry, and I just neglected myself physically. Uh, and so, you know, I just found myself in my 40s at almost 300 pounds and on five medications, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, sleep apnea, Prilosect, hypothyroidism, and I was pre-diabetic. Mm. Um, and like so many people, I had a, you know, my history and my family is, everybody in my family is obese. Mm. Everybody in my family is on some type of medication and most people in my family die young. Mm. And so uh, I had fallen into that same category. Now, it wasn't because of a, a lack of effort, because I had tried many things before to get healthy. I tried many weight loss programs. I had yo-yoed. I had gained, lost 75 pounds, gained 85 back over about a 10-year period. Yeah, that's I had done so that. frustrating. Well, it, again, it begins to erode your self-esteem and your, and your confidence in yourself. And mm-hmm. it begins to really, really just just beat you down. And so... Uh, again, I had become really just ashamed of the person that I was physically because I had been an athlete in high school and now here I'm coaching athletes and I'm, I'm coaching health and wellness. My background is in exercise science and physiology. I know the body backwards and forwards. I taught it for 22 years and here I am a fat coach mm-hmm. and a fat teacher yeah. and I was obese and I was unhealthy. And on, uh, in March of 2011, I'm in my backyard throwing football with my two oldest boys uh, 12 and 8 at the time and I go back to throw a football and my chest closes up left side of my body goes numb my knees hit the ground I can't breathe I'm in trouble and so uh, at that point I realized that this might be the last moment that my children ever see their dad my wife is in a panic she's dialing 911 my kids are crying and confused and my little girls are running across the backyard and I can remember it like it was today and I still have the picture in my office of that moment and uh, of, of that year and 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 something my wife said changed everything for me she said she looked at me that day in that panic and while she's dialing 911 and you've heard the story before mm-hmm. she said scott you're going to die and you're going to leave me here with six kids mm-hmm. and she said some other man is going to walk your daughters down the aisle oh well that's a, that's an interesting thing to say when you're when you're Listen, there i can share this with you now on the other side of it that's not the most encouraging thing to say when somebody's <laughs> struggling to breathe but she didn't say it to be me sure i know she said it because she was desperate and she yeah. was panicked and and so was i by the way yeah uh but it was in that moment and i call these moments destiny moments mm-hmm. that was a destiny moment for me because when god gave me a second chance eric and as i began to look out upon my life and reflect on my future and what was left for me. I just knew that everything had changed at that moment. And I didn't want to waste the second opportunity that God had given me because I knew there was so much more inside of me Mm -hmm. that I wanted to give and make a contribution to the world. 
But I just had to find out what it was. Mm -hmm. And it took that moment. Remember I told you being at the right place at the right time? Mm -hmm. See, God sometimes has to expose you to some things. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he showed me in that moment was that life is fleeing and it's precious. And it's the only thing we can't get back. Mm -hmm. We can't get back time. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to take the, the time that God has given you. And it's worth it to you, by the way, to find out what your purpose is. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, as I began to look over the next eight to nine to ten months, as I found out a way to get healthy for me, and that's really all it was. I just had to find out a way because I knew the, all the all the gimmicks out there. I knew all the, you know, just the weight loss, the big box weight loss programs, how they worked. But from a scientific perspective, I had to figure out something that was going to work for me mm -hmm. and made sense for me and my family long term. And so that's how I came up with our company of LT360. I just started cooking. First of all, I got healthy. Mm -hmm. I got off all five medications in eight to ten weeks. Mm -hmm. My wife got healthy with me. Mm -hmm. my, started, my, my family members started to get healthy because I started to coach them on what I was doing. Then my friends came to me. Then they sent their friends to me. And then they sent their family to me. And then this became, it became apparent what I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And so I left my career of 22 years uh, back in 2013. Uh, to start this company. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and today, you know, God has blessed it and hopefully I'm making a difference and an impact. And it's much more than just health and wellness. Uh, you, you know that I'm, yeah. I'm uh, it, it's, if you just get somebody healthy physically, but you don't challenge their mind and touch their heart and you don't develop the, you know, the, the, the spiritual side, the mental side, the psychological side, the emotional side, as well as the physical side, mm -hmm then most people will go right back to where they started and in many cases worse than when they were when they first began. Absolutely. Uh, we can't compartmentalize our, our health. No. It, there's there's all those other you know compartments that need to be a part of the whole. Um, and I think you're just getting started, honestly. I joined LT360 in October. It must have been October of 2015. And... Um, and, and and what I think, what I love about LT360 with my personal experience is I can, I'm a lifetime member. That's I'm right. a lifetime member of what you're doing. I'm, I'm still going to see Rob because I don't feel like I've fully reached my health goals. Yeah. Now, I wasn't, I wasn't extremely obese. I wasn't 300 pounds, but I was 215 pounds, you know, and I kind of need to be at about 195 you know, right, right, right. And, uh, and have a certain body, body weight. And I need certain hydration levels and different things to keep, Absolutely. keep myself healthy. So for me, but what I realized for me, what, what I've benefited the, the most out of LT360 is, is your daily emails that I get. Um, and the, um, just the continual, uh, mental and emotional coaching that I get as well as the, the nutritional, you know, I, I kind of understand the nutritional, I understand the physical aspects, yeah. but it's the emotional and the behavioral things that, that you focus, focus on the most. And I, I like that. Well, I think, and, and the other thing that I think that is a great value for somebody like you is that we're always changing and evolving. Mm -hmm. So I'm always trying to get more cutting edge information and, and, and technology. And, and, and if something new comes out, if a new report comes out, if a new, you know, blind study comes out. In fact, they just they just came out with one in Korea that I just talked about this past week about how how turmeric is actually a fat burning nutrient. 
Mm, where they yes. thought it was most, mostly anti-inflammatory and, <clears throat> and you know cancer fighting, but it's actually a fat burning mm-hmm. as well. And I've been I, I've read about that and I've been watching that for a couple of years, but there's never really been any real evidence until this last scientific study comes out from these Korean scientists, which I, I we always we always felt that in nutrition world that it was. So the cool thing is, many times it's just ongoing. I always say that the uh, repetition is the mother of all learning, mm. and so you need this over and over and over and again for it to become just natural to you, where you don't think about it anymore. But there's a second piece to this, and that is why I love what you're doing. Mm. And that is you started to expand your own health profile. Mm-hmm. You started to try some other things. You've taken a process now, a repeatable process that you can use and always go back to. But you're also trying some other things. You're stretching your goalposts out now. Mm-hmm. In fact, I thought I saw just the other day that you that you went. Are you going vegan? I, or I, I, are I you am going, on a um, current vegan mission at this yeah. point. Yeah. So, and that's the cool thing about LT360 is that it allows you to work within a framework yeah. and stretch yourself and grow. Mm-hmm. Because really, my ultimate goal for everybody that comes through our program is not just so you'll lose a lot of weight or maybe get off medication. That's a byproduct of it. My goal is to allow you to become your own health and wellness expert Mm. so that you can make the best decisions for you and your family long term, not Mm -hmm. just short term. That's right. So again, that's what I love about it because sometimes it's just a springboard to move you into a new level of your destiny. Mm And so, again, I, I love that about our, our clients, and I've seen that so many. I mean, this is just a reoccurring theme. So you started LT360 officially in 2013. Uh, how did you – I'm also very passionate about business and how, how you operate your business and kind of how it was founded. Tell me some of the foundational things when you started LT360 that uh, have just scaled from where they were as you know, a, a mustard seed of a of a business idea, or a- well, you're talking to a coach and a teacher here, so right. I know how to put programs together. Mm-hmm. But I, I I knew zero about business, zero. I mean, I had I don't. There's not anybody in my family that spoke entrepreneurial language when I was growing up. Uh, you know, I, again, there's not anybody in my family that's graduated from college until I graduated from college. So I was a first generation. You know. Uh, uh, business owner, if you will, mm-hmm. first generation college graduate, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so some of this was, uh, and I, I, we, we just had a staff meeting this past week. And one of the things we talk about, one of our philosophies is going without knowing <laughs> and just trusting God for the results. Mm-hmm. So when I first started this, I just felt like God I had such a pull, such a passion to do this. I knew the principle that I could take a passion and turn it into a product. Mm -hmm. And if I could take a passion and turn it into a product, hopefully that product would make some type of profit so that I could continue to do this and help people. And so I knew how to I knew how to love people. I knew how to encourage people. I knew how to follow through with what I said I was going to follow through with. I knew how to put things together. I knew how to, I do what I call the part whole part. I knew how to break things apart, put it together as a whole, and then break it back in pieces again and let people digest it. Mm. So I that's how I, that's how I built championship programs and teams. Mm. So I knew if I could take that same formula and put it into health and wellness, and put it into coaching people, I felt like I could be successful at some level. I just didn't know how successful I could be because I just didn't know what I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And so as I grew into this, my first year, 
we coached about myself personally. I think I coached about 125 people my mm-hmm. first year. Mm-hmm. Now I was I was hoping just to coach a couple people a week. Were you just working from home? I was working from home. Okay, so I was just out of my house. Mm-hmm. People were sending me people, and I was just right. praying, God, can you just send me two more clients this week? Can you give me three this week, Lord? Can right. you make it four? I'd like an option. Can you make it four? Can you make? It? I got four. Now can I get five? Can I get five? So I, I just and, and it just kept growing and growing and growing that way organically. My second year, we coached, and so I, st- I, need, I got to the point where after my first year, I couldn't coach everybody by myself. Mm-hmm. It just became overwhelming, mm-hmm. uh, and so I knew I had to do some things differently, and, I, and so I had to learn again. And I'm a reader and a researcher, mm-hmm. so I, I've always had this philosophy: if somebody else can do it, I can do it. I just I may not know how to do it, and it may take me longer than somebody else, or I may get there faster than somebody else. Mm-hmm. But if somebody else has done it, I can do it. I think it was Roger Ben. That back in the 60s, mm-hmm. before that time, it, there was a world kind of uh, uh, understanding that that you could not run a mile less than four minutes. Right. Mm-hmm. And until Roger Bannon, I, I think it was Roger Bannon that did it, until he did it, nobody had ever done that before. Mm-hmm. But here's what's interesting. Since that time, since he broke the four-minute mile barrier, there have been... Thousands and thousands of, including over ten thousand high school students that have broken the four mile barrier or four minute mile. Right, right, unbelievable. So guess what? When those high school students set up on that track meet, they don't have to wonder, hey, has anybody ever broken a four minute mile yet? Mm-hmm. They know that people have done it, <laughs> and as long as I know somebody else has done it, and even if they haven't done it. I have enough confidence in myself now to know that if I'm going to do something, sometimes I got to stretch up there and I got to I got to really grow, go for it and reach for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the principles I learned also early in business is sometimes you got to jump first and grow your wings on the way down. Yeah, you know. But here's what I know: I think it was Steve Harvey that said, you, "We all are packed with a parachute, mm. but your parachute will never open unless you jump." That's exactly right. They'll never open unless you jump. Mm. And so for me, I knew that what I was going to do, but I just had to jump. Mm-hmm. And for most people, that's the hardest part is jumping. Yeah. That was really one of my easiest parts because I already knew what I was going to do. Yeah. I knew what God had called me to do, and I was jumping. Mm-hmm. Now, I, 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 I knew that I was probably going to take some hits on the way down. And I was going to get scraped up and mm-hmm. bruised up and, and banged up until I learned how to do it. Mm-hmm. And one of the principles I always teach our clients is that anything worth doing well is worth doing poorly until you can learn to do it well. Mm. And once you learn to do it well, you've got it. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's a process. So it's kind of like progress over perfection. Well, heard, you, you, you never, that. I always say don't reach for perfection mm-hmm. because perfection is unattainable. Right. Think do about, it well, yeah, do it well and do it, because again, I can, I can try for perfection all day long and, and, and just, I can work as hard as I want to work to, to be in the NBA. I'm never going to be in the NBA. I don't have the gifts or the talents to be in the NBA. But whatever gifts and talents I do have, I want to maximize those gifts and talents and use it to the best of my ability to be the best and highest version of me. And that's a process. And one thing I do know how is I know how to go through processes. Because, see, most people look at the results and they forget about the process. Yes. For instance, like I can hear one of your podcasts. And you can talk about courage or you can have a guest speaker on. And I can be as fired up and encouraged and motivated and I'm ready to charge the hill. Mm-hmm. But when I go home, it's still a process. It is, isn't it? It's still a process. Once the feeling dies down, you've still got to 
decide on the process. When the emotion is over, the discipline has moment, to go on. You've got to, you have to have a process that mm-hmm. will sustain your to get you to your results. Is that how you worked with your sons, for example, in their football skills? So we started young, mm-hmm. uh, you know, working on their body, working on their mind, and working on their physical skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, it's still, again, even to this day, it's still a process. It took me to probably when they were, uh, my oldest son now is graduating, so he's probably sixth grade when the, when all this happened, fifth or sixth grade when it happened to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I realized that there was a, there was a part that I was missing, and that was the nutrition piece. Mm-hmm. And the, the, I had to make sure that I put the right fuel in their body if they were ever going to reach their maximum potential as an athlete. Um, and so that's when we started with them. So all our kids now are on a great nutrition profile. If they were, uh, have they ever wanted to quit? Your kids ever wanted to quit, or are they pretty self-motivated? You mean the the nutrition or the sports? Sports. Uh, not No, because here's the other thing, Eric, is that I've never pushed them into sports. Hmm. Never pushed them. Really? I've always let them drive it. You kind of made it, though, part of your family. It is part of our family. It's important to our family. It's very, uh, it's it's part, they grew up in it mm-hmm. because I've been a coach, so my yeah. children have been born in a gym. Sure. So they've grown up in a gym. So mm-hmm. that's really all they've known. Mm-hmm. But we've got two, Our my two oldest sons are very athletic uh, and been, have, been, have been given some gifts and talents. Um, we've got our two little girls. I don't know yet because they haven't shown an interest in sports, so we've never pushed them to it. Mm-hmm. Our two youngest are seem to be leading towards sports. And so, again, I'll tell you what I told my sons as they've gotten older. Mm-hmm. And I told them both this in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. I said, how far do you want to take your sports? And I'll do everything I can to help you get there. Yeah. But I'm not going to push you there. Mm-hmm. It has to be driven by you. Right. And most people think I'm just some overzealous dad and coach that's just right. driven hard, driven on my kids. And my kids will tell you, I've never pushed them into sports. Mm-hmm. Never. Not one time. Now, my son Jeremiah told me he wanted to be a Division One basketball player when he was in fifth grade. Uh-huh. And so I said, all right, do you know what it's going to take to get you there? Mm-hmm. And he said, no. So I said, here's what it's going to take. Mm-hmm. And so we have spent and dedicated that time to really, really pushing that. Now, it changed. he changed about freshman, sophomore year. He changed from basketball to football. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he still played basketball throughout high school and had some opportunities to play in college in basketball. Did he realize he didn't have quite the – the talent or the no 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 the he he, he just wanted to play football okay he that he changed to he wanted to really play football uh, and so I said okay do you know what it's going to take for mm-hmm. you to get there mm-hmm. I said you've got to continue this work ethic and you've got to be hungry for it and you've got to continue that drive yeah. same thing happened with my younger son I mm-hmm. said do you what do you want to do he said I want to be a Division one football player mm-hmm. I said that well, you ain't just you first of all you don't just wake up great right, right. you don't even wake up good mm-hmm. now some people have natural gifts and talents. But if you don't really, really, you know, nurture and just develop and water and, and seed those gifts, they're never going to come to fruition. They're never going to manifest themselves in mm-hmm. your life in the way that you want, want them to manifest. Right. So, uh, again, I, I'm going to push them and give them every opportunity I know and can to help them be all that they were created to be. But that's got to be, I, I believe, it's got to be driven by them. I don't think it can be driven by the parents. And so I see so many parents that are driving it way ahead of their kids and they're living their lives vicariously. Vicariously, kids. yeah, yeah. That's very easy to do. All right. I'm sorry, I got off tangent on that, but I, I just was curious about that in your own life and how you applied your nutrition and your fitness and sort of the things you're doing with LT360. So it built to the point where now you you you've had to hire people on and bring people on. Um, what I, another thing I've noticed about you is you don't 
try to um, grow too fast. You, you yeah. really like for me as a, as a business person also, I see, you know, LT360, this thing can go national, can go international, right, can, right. can, can, you know, but you've kept it for a very disciplined amount of time here in the middle Tennessee area. You know, right. it seems like you've, you've never grown, never wanted to grow too fast. Why, why is that? Well, that's a great point, and, and that's an intentional act. Yeah. Uh, we've intentionally kept it so that we can service our product, so that we can really, really love and care for people. Um, and, and I guess part of this happened organically because when I go back to the original comment earlier, my first year we coached 125 people. Mm-hmm. My second year we coached over 500. Okay. So when you go from 125 to 500 in one year, yeah, things change very quickly. And one of the things that we learned is that the the from one, year one to year two we had a lot of people fall through the cracks, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that really bothered me. That really that really hurt me because I I, I care about people. Mm-hmm. I want to see people win. Mm-hmm. I want to see people live life to the full. The second year we we went from five hundred, or sorry, third year we went from five hundred to fifteen hundred, mm-hmm. and then we went from fifteen hundred. This year we're going to coach over three thousand. Wow! And so I realized that it's going it's going to take a life of its own. Mm-hmm. But if I continue to stretch out and expand and grow into other markets and other cities, and we're starting to do a little bit of that, but I've kept it. We've already had a chance to expand and triple and quadruple the size of our company. We've had investors come in and people come in and say, we'd like to take this and take this to another level. And I've always been afraid. Part of it's not knowing, going Mm -hmm. without knowing. But the other part is I don't want to lose what we started. And I just didn't think we were ready to come out of the basket yet, to use yeah. the exa- the, you know, the analogy of yeah, Moses. Moses. Mm-hmm. He just wasn't ready to come out of the basket yet. But when he came out of the basket, he was ready. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's been an intentional act on our part. We just really haven't looked at doing that um, because I just didn't want to lose the quality of our coaching and quality of our service with people. Yeah. And I wanted I wanted people to speak with affection and love and and kindness and and admiration for what we do. And I think time. so many times what people will do is they'll they'll want to be something so too fast. Yeah. They'll want to grow too big too fast. And when you do that, I think you really leave yourself vulnerable in some areas that you need to tighten up before you really expose yourself like that. I'd imagine the temptation to make money is is great. Well, it's interesting you say that, uh, and I'm grateful. And, and, and Eric, I, I, I want to be careful how I say this to your listening audience, but I, I've lived a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I've lived a, a blessed life. I've, I've lived a, a, a you know a good life, and at times I've lived a very hard life. And remember, I was a school teacher for 22 years with six kids, mm-hmm. and I, I think you probably know what school teachers make. I don't need. Yeah. To, it, we don't need to get yeah, into the numbers yeah, to know. But them. again, it, it was. It, so I never made any money. Mm-hmm. I never really had a lot of things to work with, but God always provided what I needed at the time. Mm-hmm. And so we've had two companies already approach us with a lot more dollars and zeros than I've ever seen mm-hmm. uh, to buy our company and mm-hmm. to acquire our company. Mm-hmm. And I immediately said no. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons is because they don't have the same philosophy and philosophical values that I have that I want for my company and my people and my, my clients and my coaches because they're my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had, I'll give you an example. We had a, you know, a company, was it this past summer, not this summer, but Pat, the, the last summer, offer us a multi million dollar deal to buy this company. Mm-hmm. 
And I first thing I asked him was, what's going to happen to all my, you know, two thousand at that time, about 2,000 clients? Mm-hmm. They said, well, we'll just kind of, they're going to kind of fade in, they'll phase into what we're doing. And I said, well, what's going to happen to my employees? So at that time, I had about eight coaches, mm-hmm. you know, coaches. And they said, well, we won't need them. We've got, we have our own staff and our own nurses and so forth. And we, we just need you to train us how you do what you do. Mm-hmm. And so that was easy. Right. That was an easy decision to make. Mm-hmm. Is that this? These are the people that have helped me build and grow this company. Why would I turn? Yeah, it's going to be benefit me and my family. Mm-hmm. Set us up. Mm-hmm. But why would that? You know, I'd have to live with myself on that. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense yeah, to you? Yeah, you couldn't. And I just couldn't do that. Right. And the cool thing about it is, I had never made any money before, so money never drove me. Right. It was passion and people that drove me. Yeah. Now I'm getting the benefit of having a multi-million dollar company, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting the benefit of being a CEO and a president of a company, a successful company. Yeah. But I didn't have to do it because it was the money that was driving me. Right. I, it, the people were driving me. Right. And I believe and declare if, if you are driven by people and to help others and you provide a service or a product that solves a problem for somebody else, you won't have to worry about the money. Yeah. I truly believe that. Mm-hmm. I do too. I do too. Uh, but you have to look at the money. You have to make sure. Well, that you got to pay the bills. You, you got to make sure that you're stewarding it well, right? That's, That's right. That's kind of what your what your point is, really. Is and, and and what I've learned is that money is like currency. It's it moves. Yeah. It's always moving. Yeah. Uh, and again, growing up in a family that was very poor, that didn't have much money, I was never taught how to really handle money. I've right. never I taught how to invest money. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I've learned a lot, you mm-hmm. know, obviously. Uh, but one of the things that I've learned is that money is a tool. Mm-hmm. It really just is a tool. Yeah. But what will it will allow you to do is it will put you in a position of power to make decisions on your values. Yeah. And so I can give more and I can I can invest in things more that I care about. I can, you know, used to be and this is a, this is a true story. And I, I hope this doesn't come off the wrong way. And I want to be very careful how I say this because this may be taken the wrong way. But I'm not meaning it this way. Used to be. My wife and I would get letters in the mail all the time of kids taking missions trips. Mm-hmm. Hey, coach, I'm going to Honduras or I'm going to Haiti. And, uh, you know, would you consider prayer, prayer, prayerfully consider donating to my missions trip? And my wife and I would actually pray about, can we give $50 to, to, to him or mm-hmm. can we give $25 to her this month? Now, if somebody writes me that letter, I just write them the check. <laughs> How much is it going to cost? And I just write the check. Yeah. And again, I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that because God has allowed me to give to the things that I really care about. Yeah. And when you have when you have financial you know security and when you have resources, you can use those resources for good, or you can go out and waste it on a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. and buy a bunch of stuff that's self serving. That doesn't mean you can't have nice things. Uh, you know, I live a little bit better, a little bit better house, and drive a little bit nicer car. And again, I've I've ate it when I I know what it feels like to walk in a restaurant and not worry about what the bill what the what the bill costs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or what the meal costs. Right. But I've also cleaned up after the person that ate the nice meal, hoping one day that I could afford a nice meal like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I know what it feels like on both sides. Yeah. So yes, you do have to be a good steward of that. But again, it's really just a tool. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. It really is a tool. It's neutral. Well, gosh, uh, Coach Scott, you have uh, given me a lot to chew on, and uh, <laughs> I'm just I'm just curious. I'm always just curious, and my questions just come from a personal curiosity. Um, I just uh, I love to know what makes people tick, and um, uh, you have so much energy and so much uh, 
do you do you ever you know kind of crash or do you do you feel like you need you can have ebbs and flows of rest and you know well we're and we're finishing up yeah and you you know and you know that we all are we only have so much emotional energy and physical energy that we can spend each day Mm -hmm. um and i think it's important to to recognize number one that that's limited we're Mm -hmm. limited on that one of the things that since I've gotten healthy and I've gotten, you know, my body has changed, the chemical reactions in my body has changed. I've been able to sustain the level of energies that I have each day. But I have to, again, yes, the answer is yes, I, I do crash. I do go down. Uh, but normally it's at the right time where I've got to know I've got to recharge my batteries. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, again, when you, when you live with passion and when you live out of your heart, I just think there's a supernatural energy that flows through you mm-hmm. uh and again i think i heard somebody say where your focus goes your energy flows mm-hmm. and so if that focus is on something that's going to allow you to continue it's like investments it's like deposits and withdrawals yeah you know you keep putting in you're going to keep you, you can take out as much as you put in right the problem with most people is that they're taking out more than they put in yeah so you've got to spend some time on yourself you've got to really invest in you first and if you'll invest in you first, what you'll find out is there's some things about yourself you don't know. And you're stronger than you believe you are. Yeah. You're stronger than you know you are. But if you don't put the right fuel, if you don't put the right you know, meditation and spiritual time and prayer time or whatever your, whatever your focus is on how you calm yourself mm-hmm. and you don't speak positive words to yourself and you don't really recharge your batteries on a daily basis, not weekly, not monthly, but daily. a daily basis, you will run dry and you will run empty. Mm-hmm. And that's just been one of my little keys to success in terms of energy-wise is that I've always invested in myself, first thing. First thing. You first get up thing. early? Get up early. I invest in myself physically, mentally, and spiritually. I what's called mental mapping. Uh, on Sunday nights, I mental map everything out. And then Monday through Friday, I'm focused and know go. exactly what, I, what I'm doing. Your go. So, so you wake up, what, 5 a.m., 6 a.m.? It just depends on the on the on the day, and mm-hmm. like my wife's in Honduras this week, so I'm waking up a little bit earlier than I yeah. know because I got to get the kids to camp and everything, and I got to make sure I'm taking care of myself first. Five o'clock or six, usually six o'clock is when I and I, when right. I wake up. And you you do you do uh, you do kind of a, a routine. I've got a routine. See, routines and habits are critical. Yeah. To one success. What would be a typical routine that you'd ideally like to? First thing I do before my feet ever hit the ground in the morning. And again, here's the beauty about being healthy. I used to barely could drag myself out of bed each morning. Mm-hmm. The alarm clock would go off. The snooze button would be hit two or three times. And I just, Lord, I don't know if I can do this today. Mm-hmm. Knees back. When I started to do, get into this routine and healthy habit, the first thing that I do every single morning before my feet hit the ground is I just say, God, I got a lot of stuff on me today. I got a lot of stuff on my plate. If I don't do anything else today, would you give me the strength to get through this day and would you draw me closer to you in some way today? Mm-hmm. That's the first thing I do before my feet ever hit the ground. Mm-hmm. Once my feet hit the ground and I have a little routine where I get up, I chug a little glass of water, and then I'm, I'm doing something physically. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm either on my treadmill and I got resistance training. So I spend about 45 minutes on myself each morning. Mm-hmm. And then while I'm on my treadmill, now I've done this every day. Mm-hmm. for about seven years now, almost seven years. Now, I take Sundays off sometimes because that's my church day. And then every now and then I'll take a Saturday off or if I'm on vacation. But every single day, while I'm taking care of myself, I am planning something positive in me. 
Mm-hmm. So the first, when I first wake up, that's when your neural connections, that's when your brain waves are most active. They tell us from behavioral science and behavioral, you know, scientists tell us that this is the best time to plant something in your mind that's either going to set the course for your day positive or set it negatively. Right. The first thing that I do is I put a tape in or a podcast or an MP3, something that's going to teach me something about today, whether mm-hmm. it's self-development, self-awareness, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, just something positive, some type of self-development could be a, a po- podcast, could be a a message, a spiritual message, but I'm planting something in me every single day because I want to learn. Yeah. And if you're not learning, you're, you're dying. Yep. You've got to continue to learn. And that just sets the tone for my whole day. I'll do my little resistance training. I'll come back. I'll eat my breakfast and then I'll take care of business from yeah, that point forward. From there, from there on, you're good. You're good. And I'm gone. That's good. That's good. That's a, that's kind of the routine I like to. And to it's hard. As well, it is it's hard. It's not easy. It's not easy. it's not easy. But once again, the power of the routine is critical. Yeah. And once it becomes routine, it becomes habit. And once you can develop a habit, you're going to develop a belief system. And once you develop a belief system, you're going to have a level of certainty. And once you have a level of certainty, it's going to lead you to action. And once you have some action, it's going to make sure that you got your effort right. And once your effort is right, it's always going to lead you to results. And your results always take you back to why you started in the first place. That is awesome. I'm going to repeat that. I'm just going to have that on repeat. Just don't ask me to repeat it. <laughs> no, that was beautiful. Uh, we got it. We got it recorded. So, uh, Coach Scott, you, uh, where can people find you? How can people learn more about LT360? LT360.com uh, is the best place. Uh, mm-hmm. Love to invite anybody out to a free seminar. No mm-hmm. pressure. Uh, love for you to find out what we do. If there's some connection pieces, if we can help you, that'd be great. Yeah. We'd love to at least uh, you know sh- share with you what we do. Uh, the other way, you can come on Coach Scott Oatesfall on Facebook. You can mm-hmm. go on the LT360 site on Facebook. Uh, and, again, we've, I've got a bunch of stuff out there, a bunch of stuff that I put out, content, YouTube videos, videos, YouTube videos, oh, yeah. content. You have a show on 99.7? We've got 99.7. We've got our show on uh, 8 o'clock on Sunday mornings mm-hmm. and 6 p.m. on Sunday nights on, on WTN 99.7 Super Talk. Mm-hmm. And then I think we're on about seven different local stations that we put out podcasts on iHeartRadio and some other stuff like that. So, so you can yeah, find you. Check us out. Check yeah. us out. Uh, you've got offices here in Brentwood. Here in Brentwood. We have offices here. We have an office in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We've got an office in McMinnville, Tennessee that we just opened. Uh, that we're opening up in September 1st. And then we've got uh, offices in Chattanooga, Dalton, Georgia, and then we have one in Baltimore, Maryland, the D.C. area. How, just brief, how did those come about? Are those people coming to they you saying, came, I want to open up They an all office? came to us through clients. They were first clients, mm-hmm. people that we know and trust, went through the program that felt the same call that we did, same philosophical yeah. views. And then uh, and then they said, hey, uh, is, you know, we, we want to we take this to our people, too. I like that. I like that. Good. Coach Scott, thank you for taking uh, a good hour with me today. Well, Thanks. it's been my pleasure. Thanks, Eric. It's been powerful. In April 2016, I started the Courage Cast with a vision to share encouraging, inspirational, and motivational messages through a daily podcast and community. With the podcast, I wanted to vulnerably share about my life through my mistakes, what I've learned in business and in life. I believe we were all made with so much more potential than we live out in our lives. Through the podcast and the Courageous Community, I want to help you break through to greater expression of your gifts and talents in business and in life. 
It takes hundreds of dollars for technical gear, online fees, and dozens of labor hours to produce and promote each podcast episode every week. I want to continue bringing more inspirational and motivational guests on the podcast and improve the quality of each episode. In order to continue to do that, I need your support. We haven't reached the download numbers yet to ask for advertising, so that's why we decided to partner with Patreon. With your support, we will be able to make this podcast better, grow our reach, and have a large, thriving, courageous community. Check out the membership tiers on the website, patreon.com forward slash couragecast. As a Courageous Community member, you'll get encouraging resources every day. We have a weekly live community call where we'll dive deeper into the issues we're all dealing with. We'll have times of prayer and connection that will help remind you that we can't do this alone. We need community. As a community member, you'll access special bonus content that you won't hear on the podcast, plus an exclusive segment of rapid-fire questions with the guests of the podcast. We even have a monthly Courage Box for VIP members, which includes a Courageous Community t-shirt, a monthly personal development book, and a monthly coaching call where we'll discuss the book and other important matters related to your development. We'll throw in some other surprises into that courageous box as well. Once we hit 100 patrons, we will begin to feature patron stories on the podcast. And once we hit 500 patrons, we're going to have enough momentum to announce the first ever Courage Conference, where we can get together in person, hear great speakers, and encourage one another toward greater things. I'm so excited about the future of the Courage Cast and the Courageous Community. Visit www.patreon.com forward slash Courage Cast. Well, that was an amazing interview with Coach Scott Oatsball, and there's a lot that we can take from that. There's a lot I can take from it. But the main takeaway that I'm going to share with you today is that there is a long term vision for my health and wellness. For me personally, I am thinking, I thought a lot about what what vision do I have for myself? What do I want to look like? Do I want to look like Coach Scott? Do I want to experience life like he does? Yes, I do. In my own way, I want to experience all the fullness of life that I can experience in my body. And so what are the daily routines that I'm going to begin to incorporate into my life? What are the habits that I want to form over time that are going to lead me to take the actions that I need to take and will lead me to to form the belief that I need to have in order to take the actions that I need to take in order to achieve the desired outcome that I want to have? I love the ending of this interview because it summarizes perfectly how I want to live my life. If I can focus on the routine and then I can commit to the routine, then I'm going to form the habits and all of the rest of it is going to happen naturally if I focus on the routine. And that's very mundane and very boring, but that's what I'm going to commit to and that's my takeaway. So thank you, Coach Scott, for being here and and for, for coming on the Courage Cast and speaking this kind of hope in life. And I'll tell you, when you're in the LT360 program, you get a daily email. I get a daily email from Coach Scott specifically. 
And every 20 days, I go in to see my coaches in LT360, and they help keep me on track. And I'm more committed than ever to achieve the goal that I want to achieve and, and, and reach for the vision that I have for myself and for my family and for how I'm going to show up for my family from this point forward. Thanks again, Coach Scott. I appreciated having you on, and I look forward to more good stuff from you. And you're always going to be now a lifetime member of the Courageous community. He even sent me a, a picture of himself wearing the Courageous Community shirt that I gave him. So I, I, I know he's in, he's on board, and, and that's awesome. All right. Well, you hear that music, and that means it's time to close the show and also announce next week's guest. Next week, we are going to have singer-songwriter Elisa Turner on the podcast. She shares her story of redemption and hope in the midst of of some terrible tragedy in her life and sickness and disease and loss. And how can we recover from that? Elisa shares how she's been able to do that and how she's living that life right now. You remember we had Jaime Lara, her husband, on a few a few months ago, and he just shared a part of that story. Elisa shares the rest of that story, plus all of her new music. I'm excited. It's going to be fun. Just a reminder, go to CourageousCommunity.com to access the five steps to getting your confidence back. It's a game changer. Write a rating and review on iTunes because the more people that write a rating and review, that means the more people find us. I want to thank Matt Price at MattPriceOnline.com for providing some great bumper music for us for this show. In the meantime, that music tells us it's time. I'm Eric Nordoff. I'll be back next week for another episode of Courage Guest. Courage Guest.